Welcome to the S2 Cognition Podcast. S2 is the official cognitive evaluation in sports, from youth to pro, where athletes and coaches build to win. Welcome to the S2 Cognition Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Hunter, and today we're joined by John Beck, the Director of Combine Prep and NFL Development at 3DQB in Huntington Beach, California. He and his crew at 3DQB basically train half of all NFL starting quarterbacks and many high-level college football quarterbacks as well. John played in the NFL for six seasons before getting into private coaching with Tom House, the legendary biomechanics instructor often referred to as the professor of throwing. Today we dive into 3DQB's focus when it comes to developing quarterbacks on field decision making and his experience training the number one and number two overall picks consecutively in the 2023 NFL Draft, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. You can follow John on Twitter at jbeck12 and we recommend you do. We have linked to his website in the description if you're interested in visiting. Are you ready to unlock your true athletic potential? Look no further than the Moffitt Method. Their personalized coaching is tailored exclusively for you because you're one of a kind. Whether it's strength, endurance, or skills you're after, they've got you covered. With a team of experts boasting a century of experience, the Moffitt Method is here to support you in and out of the gym. Life skills, character building, they're with you all the way. Constant communication, 24-7 access to your coach, and celebrations for your victories. The Moffitt Method, where you become the athlete you've always envisioned. Elevate your game, elevate your life. Join the Moffitt Method today and soar to new heights. Dive into a new era of athletic training. Visit www.themoffittmethod.fit and join the movement. Unleash your inner champion today with The Moffitt Method. To help us continue our growth, we ask that you subscribe, rate, and review our show. Enjoy John's interview. John, thanks so much for joining us today on the S2 Cognition Podcast. What is your primary focus when you work with professional quarterbacks? Oh, wow. That's a kind of a question. There's a lot of answers to that one. Um, it kind of depends on what they are looking for. A lot of the guys that come to us at 3DQB, there's, there's usually something specific that they're going after, whether it is, I want to be more accurate on certain passes, whether it's, I want to understand how to maintain the highest level of efficiency in throwing. Uh, it could be right then. It could be over the course of a season. It could be guys that come saying, for whatever reason, I noticed that the jump off my hand, my deep ball, it's not quite the same weeks 13 to 17 as it is in the beginning, as I get into the playoffs. Um, so there's a wide variety of things that we do. And then there's always those things that they discover about themselves or that we also recognize. Here's areas that we can help as well. You know, there's the mental side of the game. There's the understanding, the football IQ side of the game. Uh, sometimes guys discover other reasons while they're working with us. Like, oh, wait, time out. You guys are talking about this footwork. I've never even heard of this. I haven't had that thought before. So it's all encompassing based off of what are the specific needs of that individual. Then we tailor make whatever he needs uh, for that for that progression, for the things he wants to improve on. You know, John, we, you know, we've worked together for a couple of years now, but we really, you know, have, uh, have really dug into some stuff with you over the last year. It's just amazing the number of guys and the names you've worked with. What led you to get into this? What led you into want to be just this high level quarterback coach? I mean, it seems like every, every name you can think of. I mean, would you have the one and two guys in the last draft, uh, uh, head your way? What, what, what brought you there, man? Well, I think that question that you said, what made you want to be that high-level quarterback coach? If you just remove the word coach off of that, 
my initial endeavor was to be a great quarterback myself. That was what my dreams were made of. It's the things I was chasing after. You know, I was fortunate to play in the NFL for a while. It didn't go like I wanted, but my pursuit, uh, kind of my uh, process that I had, uh, you know, I just kind of kept that. And then I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Um, I was trying to improve myself as a quarterback and trying to get back into the league right at a time when some really well-known quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, were working with somebody that was a mentor of mine, Tom House. Um, and he started to receive some phone calls with some people. As more people started to learn what Drew and Tom were doing, they were interested. And as those interests, you know, became guys saying, hey, this offseason, I want to get down there. Um, it was a time when I wasn't on a team. And so Tom just gave me the opportunity saying, hey, I have requests. I haven't played quarterback. I don't know football. I know throwing. You have six years of professional football in the NFL. I think together we can do some really good things. And at that time, Adam Dato, who's now my partner in 3DQB, was also working underneath Tom. And so those are kind of the beginning days, the genesis of 3DQB, and I wasn't looking for it. I was looking to improve myself in all areas, whether it was physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the areas. I was just trying to improve it a player, as a player, excuse me, and I just happened to be right there. Um, and when other quarterbacks came in, and also I, I should probably also say my coaches that I played for, they were interested in bringing their, their quarterbacks to us. So guys like uh, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, all guys that were on that 2011 Washington Redskins staff, they knew what I was doing. And so they kind of guided their quarterbacks toward us. And then that was in conjunction with other agents finding out about us. It just all kind of funneled all these quarterbacks to us. And that grew into then the combine pre-draft training. Again, it's not stuff I really set out to do. I just, I love quarterbacking. I love the challenge. I love growing as a quarterback myself. And it just transitioned into the processes that I tried to use to help myself became the things that I tried to do to help others. Yeah, I guess we should have started there, right? Can, you have a list of names of guys that you work with so the audience is familiar with. That probably in retrospect should have been where I started. No, it's good. I mean, um, you know, current NFL quarterbacks, we can start uh, Dak Prescott, um, Matt Stafford. I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard because the list is like there. I should have written them oh, all down. E easy, John. Um, Jalen. Okay. Yeah, did you already do it? Jalen Hurts. I'm trying to think. <laughs> CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, Justin Herbert, um, God, Jared Goff, uh, Carson Wentz. Some of these guys are uh, not currently starting. Some of these guys are playing. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, geez, I'm trying to think. Nick Mullins. I should have a list of just the teams. That's what I should have done. Uh, we, we, we've been fortunate. I mean, I know there's guys I'm leaving out. Uh, there's, there's for sure guys I'm leaving out. I mean, Marcus Mariota has been here. Trey Lance has been here. Um, I don't know. Did you guys, you guys probably have some where you're like, Hey, no, you did him. Uh, look, Zach Wilson. <laughs> I, you yes. know what I gotta do? I gotta back. I gotta back up to my like draft guys. So Zach Wilson, <laughs> Tanner McKee. Yeah. yeah. That's what I should have done. Um, Obviously, this is a hot time of year because of this preseason. And you had Bryce and CJ. And, you know, the as we know, right, we were caught in the crosshairs. The media can be brutal. And you've got two young QBs trying to make a name for themselves and trying to, you know, uh, unfortunately having to prove I'm, I'm worth the first or second pick. What is that like for a young quarterback? Just so, I mean, just give us – you know, a little bit of backdrop about what these kids go through 
to make an NFL roster, how difficult that is and everything that goes into it from the time this kid declares from the draft and says, hey, John, I need I need help all the way to, you know, year one, which obviously is not. I mean, Peyton Manning, what led the uh, has the rookie record for most interceptions. Right. And so it's not easy. No, it's a big challenge. I mean, I say that there's different stories like you have the we'll take this year. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud at two-story programs, Alabama and Ohio State. Um, top caliber guys, been to the Heisman Trophy ceremonies, won a Heisman Trophy. You know, you know and they know that they are going to be a high, high pick and that they are going to be somebody's pick to be the franchise quarterback. And so there's not only the accolades that they received in college and how that can kind of produce almost like an expectation level of if this is the Heisman Trophy winner, who is also the first pick of the draft. Like, it's expected that he's going to play at this level, especially because you have some guys like, I'll use like a Justin Herbert, who was also one of the guys I did in the draft a few years ago, right? He's a high pick, not a number one, but a very high pick. And in the last three seasons, nobody has thrown for more yards. I think it's yards, completions, because all these records. Okay, so now you're Bryce Young and you're expected to kind of like meet that. Like, all right, well, we're picking you first. You got to meet that. There's a big expectation there. And C.J. Stroud yeah. coming out of Ohio State, right? Like, you know, a guy that has just played great football there. Uh, I'm not sure if he's the record holder, but, like, those statistics that he's putting out in a Big Ten schedule, right. like touchdown to interception ratio, efficiency. You watch him play in big, big playoff games in college football, and he just lights it on fire. And you're saying, well, this is a surefire thing, right, to be a top pick and have success. But anybody that has been a top pick knows there is no guarantees. A lot of the times you go to the most difficult of situations. And a right. phrase that I use a lot when I talk about quarterbacks is situational fortune. Like, are you fortunate enough to land in a good situation? Sometimes that goes to the Brock Purdy, the last pick of the draft, and he gets to land to San Francisco 49ers. And I don't want to take any away from Brock's performances because they were outstanding. But that situation that you go to to be the 49ers quarterback is very different from what a Bryce and a CJ fall into right now as the top guy. And so there is so much there. But then you take right. some other guys, storied quarterbacks in college football, three-year starters. They know what it's like to be the guy. And they're a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick. Their entry to the NFL is now you are the third quarterback battling in camp, hoping to make an active roster 53-man spot for the start of the season. That's also a challenge in itself. And you're wondering – wait, if I was this good in college, if I played this many years, now there's this many guys ahead of me in the NFL. It just goes to show really how competitive it is at that level. We talk about this internally just because we feel like some of the cognitive or decision-making skills align with some systems and some schemes and some fits better than others. You have to believe that there are kids out there that could be NFL, high-tier NFL quarterbacks, and they just they don't get the chance because they don't really match up with what's in front of them, their coordinator or the, the system or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, there's all kinds of levels to what makes an NFL quarterback successful, right? Does he possess the mental acuity? Can he process? Can he do those things? Okay, well, you have to be able to do that. Now, the physical standpoint, right? Um, it's a physical game. It's a bigger game than college football. Um, it's a faster game than college football. So, you know, are you able to handle it from a physical standpoint as well? You know, a lot of the times it's it's the beating that a quarterback takes. A lot of the times it's can he process a step faster? 
And then you get into the decision-making process that sometimes you look at a collegiate quarterback and you say, wow, he was so good at his decision-making. What really truly were the things that he was having to process to make those decisions? Right. Is it going to look the same at the NFL level? I know guys that the touchdown interception ratio, the completion percentage, it's great. Well, then you get into the nitty-gritty of what they're actually having to see and process on the field. Their coordinators in college have built something that fits maybe whether it's their 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 thought process patterns, maybe it's they've able to keep it simpler because that guy's going to perform better when you keep it simple. But when you start talking now an NFL schedule, NFL defensive coordinators, NFL playbook, now that player is going to feel extremely overwhelmed. And sometimes you have the guys that have both. They have the physical tools, they have the mental tools, they have what it takes, but now it goes back to that situational fortune. What do you drop them into? What is the mixture around them? You just can't drop a guy in and say, well, he's got A, B, and C. It should work. Let's just drop him into anything. Because I have been around some great coaches that they're viewed as failures, but they're great coaches, right? And maybe in a different situation, things would have taken up for him. I've seen great players at not just a quarterback position, but a lot of other positions. Does a couple things, do the chips fall a little bit their way? Because I think you kind of need a little bit of that. You just need some things to help you out because if it's constantly an uphill battle, it is really tough to be successful in the NFL. Yeah, and it comes off the heels. I know we we mentioned some of the big marquee names that you work with, John. But man, uh, in the draft process, some of the other names that people, the public may not know about, but we certainly knew about, right? The guys like Jay Kaner, Tanner McKee, Jared Halls that you work with. How excited are you to see them throughout this preseason process and see what they're doing on the teams that they, they've been playing for? It's really cool. I've watched all their games. Um, you know, it's been neat to see Tanner McKee play so well for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Um, he's somebody that maybe at the beginning of the season, some of the like pre-draft guys were saying he has potential to go higher. The season right. plays out. Stanford's in a tough situation. You know, a lot of games Tanner wasn't necessarily in a great spot. Um, so it's hard to look good, right? And you know, uh, he gets drafted probably a little later than he would have liked, but he lands in Philadelphia. So far, it looks like things are going really, really well. Like if you look at some of the quarterbacks that are playing as rookies right now, you have to notice the way that Tanner McKee's playing the game. Um, Jay Kaner, I know, has had its he's had uh, outstanding practices. He's played in games. I know that first game there are a few things he would definitely like back, but you look at this last game he played against the Chargers, and he did really, really well. And I know Jaron Hall is going through some some learning curves, some things that he's adjusting to. But when you talk about a guy that has athleticism, a guy that can process, a guy that will, when he gets enough time in the system, be able to handle that NFL playbook, it's all there. And so you just look at like timing. If they have to go on the field, is the timing right? Are they given enough time to learn the skills, the things that they need to be comfortable? Or are you just shoving them out there because, well, guess what? We are in this situation. Whether he's ready or not, he's got to go now. There's not many of those he's got to go now that end up going well when you're maybe not on the best of teams. Talk to us. What is your, what does your year look like from January one to January one? Because, you know, we'll talk and you're like, Hey man, I'm in Dallas or, you know, I'm, I'm in so-and-so. How do you manage all this? I mean, it's crazy. I'm just coming out of the crazy period. You're probably re referencing our texts back and forth, right? Like when can we set this up? And I'm like, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Dallas. I'm in Provo. Yeah. I'm all John, over. Can you just can you just record on a plane? Could that would that be possible? Is it, Look, just, do you want to know what I'm doing on airplanes? I'm watching tape on airplanes. Like, uh, I mean, I just try to cram. He's a all sicko, just like us. <laughs> um, but basically, January, the beginning of January, it's the start of draft season. All the guys that finished up 
their collegiate careers. They are signing with agents. They're they're finalizing their their plans to come out and to train with us in the off season. Some of the guys that are involved in later, you know, college playoff games, we we won't see them until the middle of the month. But it's that preparation for the next step. So the first thing that kind of happens are they playing in any bowl games, Senior Bowl, East West Shrine, those type of bowl games? Because if they are, they have to be training for performance. If they aren't, now the training kind of is a little right. bit different because the next thing they have will be the NFL Combine. So it kind of goes like. Are you competing? Plans can differ based off of if you're competing or not. Then it's preparation for the combine. And you, you guys know how those things go, right? Like all those teams have their preferential testing, things that they believe in. Um, I got to prepare them for the meeting rooms, for the questions that they're going to get from general managers, offensive coordinators. Those individual meetings that they have with teams are very, very important. You know, we dive into their tape. I have individual sessions with every quarterback of like, let's sit down and let's Talk me through your system that you're running in, in college. Talk me through what you're going through. Talk me through how your week of preparation goes. I have to figure out what are you doing as a college player? How does that align to you uh, at the professional level? What have you had to handle? What's been on your plate? Has it been protections? Have you had to change things in the run game? Um, do you have mic points in the run game? Um, like, is your uh, protections, like, at what level are they? Like, how much is really being asked of you? Um, schemes. Are we talking about full progression reads? Are we talking about like based off of middle of the field, open middle of the field close? Like what concepts are new to you? What concepts do you know stone cold? All those things are going to come up in conversations that they have with NFL teams, whether it's through the Zoom meetings they have with the quarterback coach, a scout, an offensive coordinator, or whether it's they sit down in the meeting and hand the guy a pen and say, you're up, draw me up blank. And now they got to draw, right? Or they're right. going to watch tape. Talk me through this. Talk me through your decision right here. So it's really trying to gauge where they at compared to where I know they're going to need to be as a rookie in the NFL. Then you work on those things. And then it's when March hits, that's when pro days start happening. We put together the pro day scripts, their workouts. You start preparing them for those meetings that they have if they're traveling to the NFL team's location or if somebody's coming there to put them through an, an individual workout. Um, then it's, you know, pro days, the draft, the draft happens and then they're off. It's mini camp. A lot of those guys, it's a lot of phone calls of like, here's the playbook I got. This is what's different. Here's what I got to do. And all scattered through all this NFL stuff. I completely haven't even talked about all the college guys that we have that are preparing. For I their was just about spring to ball. Ask. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, there's college guys, there's high school guys that are trying to do their thing as well. Um, you know, when I'm on the road, it usually hits like on the road for senior bowl, on the road for the combine, on the road for pro days. And through all that, it's, hey, there are times that the collegiate guys want to get their training in on-site, off-site, all of that. Uh, and, and then when the, when the NFL guys take off for their mini camps, those college guys get their first few weeks of summer. And nowadays in college football, those college kids can come out here for two, three weeks and put in a lot of work. They're starting to bring their wideouts with them now because they got some money in their oh, pockets wow. that they can kind of say, hey, I'll help you guys get set up out here. I'll cover the room for you guys as long as you can be here training with me. It very like it looks very much more pro style in terms of what quarterbacks can do now for their teammates. I see a lot of quarterbacks using those NIL funds to really say, "All right, dudes, like let's go out to California, let's work as a group." Um, and then that last bit of July, man, that's when I'm really on the road a lot. The NFL guys want their final workouts. I'm usually traveling to where they're doing their final team things uh, with their uh, players. Uh, the college guys are getting their final things with their work, and then boom, camp starts. And in August, I become a full-time Pop Warner coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, the Beck boys, we got a lot of football, and I help out at the high school here in San Clemente as well. So football never ends, but I love it. I was going to ask, uh, you know, when we had met out in Huntington Beach earlier this summer, the biggest, I guess, takeaway was you had talked about how it, it was all set up for this pro-style development, but and now all of a sudden with NIL, college is now looking a lot more like pro. Can you speak to that more as to what, how it's different since when you started for the college players versus now what that looks like? Yeah, well, the college players have to have a way to be able to pay for the trading themselves, right? So a lot of the times, I'm just going to say what it is, it was the, the boys that came from wealthier families, right? The parents that had the means to be able to cover the training. Um, college quarterbacks, you don't have enough time to go out and get a separate job. I mean, there have been guys in the past, Luke Falk, for example, from Washington State. Um, I think he was having an extra job. He was finding ways to manage his money. He was coordinating based off of the cheapest flights, the way that he could get down here on the weekends, that it was cost-effective, and he covered his own training when he was college. And you got to – I mean – Hats off to him still for doing that because uh, it's tough when you're putting in all that time in school, all that time as a quarterback. How do you make money on the side to be able to pay your way to come out and train? Um, but a lot of the times it was the families that had the means. Nowadays, um, guys can sign some pretty good NIL deals. They're covering not only their own training, but they're finding a way to have their collegiate teammates out here with them, you know, and doing some events saying, hey, you know, hey, afterwards, we're all going to go grab dinner. It's on me. I'll take care of you guys. And that's definitely was only in the pro ranks um, before NIL. There was no way a college kid. I mean, how could you ever, you know, come out to California, right. grab a hotel, put your teammates up and go out and grab some dinners. Most of the time, the college guys, it was, hey, my buddy's sleeping on my aunt's couch because I'm in my niece's room and, you know, and we're going and grabbing in and out at night. It's not like that anymore. So what are some ways that you've seen coaching change since you played in the league what you had six years of time what yeah. how have you seen the quarterback position and coaching change since your time well i think that there's more of a trend towards what does this guy already do well what will he be comfortable with let's tailor the the offense for him when i entered the league it was this is our system this is what we do and how we do it and you now have to start to put the work in to do it our way. Um, and a lot of the times you were shown tape of here are the quarterbacks that we've had that have been successful in the system. And so here's what you need to learn how to do. I think with the changing of the, um, the agreements between the players union, how much time is able to spend on the field, you know, there's less time that coaches can be around the players. When I was in the league, I mean, you would report uh, the like second week of March. I mean, it was like Super Bowl a couple weeks and you were back and the coaches, I mean, I, I can remember my second season being on the field probably four times a week, middle of January on with the new staff. Cause it was like, we did not pick you. You weren't our draft pick. We need to figure out if we're going to keep you. So you're trying to prove yourself to these people that weren't in the building when you played your rookie year. And when they said, come to the building and throw, you went to the building and threw. So it was January and we're filming and, filming throws and training. It's, it's not like that anymore. So now coaches, you hear them saying, man, I get so little time with my players. It's so important that we have a relationship with where they're training in the off season, the people that they're training with. So we can kind of fuse together this thing of what they understand, what we need them to understand, what they're comfortable with in the passing game. Even from a footwork standpoint, there are some imperatives that we say we do need you to do this. Like, and how can we mesh all of that to get them 
to an efficient level so we can go win football games. Um, and I think more coaches are open to those type of things. Um, I mean, just look at how the game's evolved and just under center to shotgun. I mean, you look at some teams now that so much of the offense is primarily from shotgun. That was not the case when I got into the league. I mean, we, we were still backing out five-step drop to throw Hank to the left under center. I mean, those things are just not even in systems anymore. Um, and I think it's also the expectation on quarterbacks. If you take a quarterback in those first couple rounds, especially high in first round, he's expected to play. He's expected to play soon. And he's expected to play well. And so you got to find a way to get your guy there as fast as possible. And the way of this is how we do it and you have to get there, that's not always the best way. John, do you feel like there's more an emphasis on uh, decision-making, sort of the cognitive aspects of the game nowadays? Like these these quarterbacks are forced to have uh, more complex sort of systems and schemes and decision-making? Well, I think, and I might be wrong on this, but I believe it's the quote by Archie Manning. And they were talking about what Peyton Manning was doing in football compared to what Archie was having to do. And he was saying back then, this is probably early 2000s, the game has evolved so much. There is so much more on the quarterback's plate than there was when I played. I look at just how the game has advanced defensively and offensively. Like, it's even more. Like, that whole being able to make quick decisions, to not let your mind get cluttered. Like, so much of what's on a quarterback's brain feels like if you've watched that quarterback series, Kirk Cousins says a great thing. It feels like I'm preparing for finals every single week. Well, we all know what that felt like, right? It's very easy to feel like you're just jamming information in there and it can feel cluttered. It can feel stressful. Okay, how do you put all that, that information in? How do you manage the environment? How do you play within chaos, the pressure of the outcome? How do you do all of that function with a clear mind, being able to make quick decisions and trust that you're seeing it clearly? At times, there's that statement of quarterbacks. They'll say, oh, yeah, I was seeing ghosts or, you know what, I thought I saw something. That's usually because either they're trying to anticipate too much, they're seeing something that they saw on tape, or the information is getting cluttered, and as it's kind of getting jammed up processing, they're seeing something quickly, they anticipate, they rush to something, and it's not clean. It's not what really happened. And then they go back to the, to the little tablet on the sideline, and they go, oh, that was the picture, right? So there is so much that goes into what a quarterback is carrying mentally, how comfortable he feels with it. And then can he go out there and can he process it all in a calm? And you hear veteran quarterbacks say, well, the game has slowed down. That doesn't mean that there's less information going in. It right. means they're able to recognize which information is the most important. That's what they're going to hold on to. They're going to filter information based off of what's necessary and maybe what's not necessary. And then, okay, now can I go play loose? Can I play reactive? And can I have that creativity, that, that, that playmaking ability still be a part of me. That's one of the things I love about Patrick Mahomes' style of play. He's carrying all those things that Andy Reid has in his system, but he never sacrifices that just playmaking ability that is the creative part of him. And at times when there's too much going on between the ears of a quarterback, that creativity part gets gummed up. Hmm. And they just they don't look as smooth. They're not making plays instinctively. You got to have that. I was going to say, it's something you talked about earlier that I think, Brandon, that we aligned with so well. You said the game has changed and we are trying to highlight the quarterback's strengths and adapt the play style to them. I think that's the beauty of the full evaluation process that we have and why it, it mirrors so well with how you develop uh, quarterbacks is 
we try to help you guys understand the strengths and weaknesses of the decision-making elements of the quarterback position to help them then train more efficiently. Um, how would you say that our evaluation has helped that on-field training and, and decision-making process? The word, I think, is awareness. When a player can become more aware of himself and a coach can become more aware of the player, now you're able to put much different plans in place to help the player succeed. It's no longer a guessing game, right? Like, I would probably say as coaches spent more time with players, let's go like an old model, right? You draft a quarterback high first couple rounds. You don't want to put him on the field early. I still think that there's some benefits to that. Like, I look at some guys' situations, man, giving them some time to learn the game as well as the coach's time to learn him, it really helps. But like we said earlier, that's not always the luxury you have nowadays. So much nowadays is about getting the guy in the field. So, but if a coach can spend time around a guy, he can understand what he can process well, what's too much. Oh, man, I put too much on his plate this week. Oh, wow, look how well he played as we simplified some things. And I kept his reads specific to his capabilities. I cannot ask him to do all of these things. Let's say if I have a certain play and I'm going to say, okay, hey, based off of this coverage, we want to start the progression here. And it's going to go here to here to here. But if I get now this coverage, I want to actually go the other side of the field. You'll find your way through the progression back to the check down against that. But now if I get this pressure look, now we got to change the protection. I want to block ourselves up. I don't like the, if they're going to bring that pressure, it's going to be, let's say, a man pressure. I don't like the scheme. So now let's get out of that play totally. Let's get to a new play. And that's going to be on you now to go there based off of, you know, you're getting the pressure versus that coverage go here. So now you have two coverage reads. You have a protection issue that he has to block himself up. And based off of the protection issue, he's now going to get to a new play. Some guys can handle that. Some guys can't handle it. Do I know if I have a guy capable of that? Or am I going to learn the hard way by him stumbling through that in practice, but I need him to do it in a game. It doesn't work in the game. We're getting frustrated. The player feels like he's failing because for some reason it feels like he's overloaded, overwhelmed. They go and they sit in the meeting room afterwards. The coach is trying to figure out how can we help you play better. The quarterback deep down inside is feeling like, dude, I'm going through all my study habits. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm giving my 100% effort, but it feels like crap. This is just a lot, right? Okay, yeah. but what if we can avoid all of those things and say, I understand asking. I was probably asking one to two too many things of that guy. So here's how I'm going to help you by understanding you. That's where I feel like the information, like we've talked about, is so pivotal in not only quarterback development, but setting up a game plan of success for that quarterback. Yeah, glad, glad you talked about that because that's where we see what we do as a value, not a number or not a you know scouting number or things like that. So appreciate you you talking about that. Um, I think, you know, and we've talked about this before, the outcome of a play, oftentimes the quarterback gets beat up on decision, right? He, he made a bad decision when it, it was the outcome, but we don't oftentimes know what all went into that, right? I mean, we've heard receivers making mistakes. We've heard, you know, defenders doing, uh, giving a different look or whatever. And it's not really necessarily a poor decision by the quarterback. It's the outcome was, was, was poor. Do you feel like quarterbacks often get a bad rap for being poor decision makers when it's not really, it's not really their decision that's, that's poor? It's, it's, uh, it could be on other elements in the game. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
look, I've sat in quarterback meeting rooms where you watch the quarterback play, you're going over the tape, and you're like, man, this guy played a really good game, made sound decisions, knew what he was doing, knew executed the game plan really, really well, like took took some good chances, you know, like because to to win in the NFL, you got to take some chances. Like there has to be some some risk involved, and so sometimes what looks like a poor outcome. Sometimes that was that calculated risk that just didn't really go their way. Sometimes right. when you are trying to play the anticipation game in the offense and you are anticipating mm -hmm. the receiver a certain way, you're seeing it a certain way, and sometimes that ball comes out, and once that ball's out of your hand, the rest is out of your control. So, hey, does that guy slip a little bit? I was anticipating the safety doing this. He didn't quite do that. Like I tell people – at times, it is impossible to see every single thing on the field clearly. And in that fraction of a second, you're seeing it all perfectly. You're anticipating everything perfectly. That, that rarely happens. A lot of the times, it's based off of what you know. I have seen this enough times to know that the percentage is X amount, that when this Mike carries here, he has only fallen off to this so many times. So I am making this throw anticipating that the pattern that I have seen is going to repeat itself. Well, sometimes the pattern doesn't, you know, yeah. and I think sometimes the best quarterbacks are the ones that have so much experience that they have this little thing that they've put together of, I understand the patterns. I can see the puzzles going together and then I can play the percentages so well of what is on my side, what's not on my side. And that's when the risks are smart risks. And you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean, why do a bunch of Hall of Fame quarterbacks have a bunch of interceptions? Because they're taking those calculated risks and sometimes it doesn't work out. And then, you know, there's also the emotional side of the game. Most of these guys are extremely, extremely competitive. And they do not want to walk off that field not having reached that, that the goal of winning. And there are times in game that, that some decisions can be emotional decisions because they're trying to win, right? They're trying to come back. They're down by 10. They're trying to make something happen. Or at times they're a little bit too safe because they don't want to have a turnover. It's very simple as a quarterback to fall into the trap of like avoiding a little bit because I don't want to turn over. And sometimes it's also when, you, when you're a young quarterback, it's easy to get talked into decisions because you hear coaches in practice. Like they say certain things in practice. All of a sudden you're out there on a game. That little coaching point comes into your head and you talk yourself into a decision because you're trying to appease the coach based off of what he wanted the outcome to be or what he saw. And then you make a throw and you're like, crap, I just freaking talked myself into that. That was stupid. So <laughs> there's so many things that go into it. Yeah, I appreciate you articulating that far better than the uh, scientist articulating that. that that's exactly <laughs> the, the probabilities. And, and you, you and I have spent some time talking about that on how quickly some – quarterbacks can just pick up on those probabilities you yeah. know every time every time you know the safety his hip angle is here this is generally what happens and they play those odds and that's what goes in you, you just said it really well that that's what goes into the decision that the outcome looked like it was a bad decision but he made that decision based on information that okay the, the four previous times I saw his shoulders here and his hip angle here, this, this was, this was the look I got. So I made the throw and it just didn't work out that time. And so rookies are going to, you know, and these early kids are just having a lot of that trying to build up the percentages, trying to build up the mental template and representations for what's going to happen. Yeah. I tell guys, Hey, look, you may have learned this lesson 
from this situation in the college game. And I'm not taking away from you the fact that you didn't learn that, but you're going to have to relearn at times the very same lesson, but in an NFL way because of the capabilities of NFL players, NFL defenses. You may have been accustomed to making a certain throw versus a certain coverage with a certain look. That may not be the exact same now at the NFL level. So you kind of have to relearn the NFL thing. You know, I mean, I know so many guys that they're looking at shoulder posture. They're looking at feet. They're looking at where that guy is at in, in relation to landmarks on the field, the numbers, the alley, the half, the sideline, the depth, all these things, right? Do I have a guy that's tilted? His depth is a little deeper than another. Once those routes start, the probability of me being able to throw this one, I've seen this enough to know if they're staggered at that depth, I can take it, right? Well, then you get a young quarterback and he looks a little indecisive in his first mini camp or in his first few OTAs, right? And the coaches are saying, hey, just trust it. He's not at the point yet of trusting it because he hasn't had those experiences. And then here's the other thing about nature. There are some quarterbacks that it is just their nature to jump into a practice with a new team, cut the ball loose. And they're going to learn by cutting it loose and a defender making a great break on it, getting it batted down, and then being like, okay, I'm going to learn from that. Other guys, their characteristic or their makeup is to kind of hesitate a little bit, maybe go to the safer throw, and then watch the tape and say, oh, I could have let that one fly. Right. It's just there's differences to guys, and you got to know that as a coach going in, like, you know, which is the guy that's going to be an overprocessor, which is the guy that's uh, underprocessing, and he's just going to, you know what, I am not worrying about those six notes I just took on that play. I'm going to worry about the first one. Screw it. I'm going to go play ball based off of my instincts. Both guys have things to learn. They both do. They both got things to work on, and they got to learn it their way. If uh, I'm a college or high school quarterback and you're trying to convince me to come work for you, if they haven't already been convinced in the first 35 minutes of this episode, what is what would you tell me to come work with you uh, to further my career? First off, I would say uh, for us, usually we have found that there is a certain type of person, right? Uh, you have to be hungry, uh, hungry enough to push through bumps. Um, our place, our field is not a come and show me how great you are. We're going to clap our hands and be like, you're great. Like, that's not what it is. Like we are, we try to push guys. We try to find the areas for those, those, those gains. Right. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Sometimes guys can get frustrated during the process. And we have to have those talks of like, look, this is part of it. This is, this is part of the process. Um, there is struggle involved. Um, you got to be very hungry. You got to be very dedicated. Um, you know, it's the way that you approach things in life. Uh, I have found that even in my draft prep with guys, I've had some great experiences with some guys. I've had some okay experiences with some guys. A lot of it comes down to them. Um, I don't think that there's like some magic formula that like only we possess or anything like that. Like there's a lot of good coaches out there. I believe that information nowadays, there's a lot of great information in a lot of places and a lot of guys are doing good stuff. Um, and so to me, it's also a fit. Like I'm not trying to claim every single quarterback across the country. Like they're going to find guys that fit for them and the guys that come and work with me. I hope that it's a great mesh. I hope that things can continue. Like I have found the guys that I have started with and we stay working together over a long period of time. Those are the ones that usually grow the most. They have the best experience. They remain hungry. Um, and my coaching style fits the things that like they want to 
you know, that like where they want to improve. Like I feel like I have a unique style based off of my experience as a player, based off of my schooling. The mental side means a ton for me. When I finished in the NFL, um, I went back to school for like five years. I, I mean, I never would have guessed that crap. Like that was, <laughs> I, when I went to college, I was a athlete student. Athlete. I'm just going to be yeah. honest. Hey, you got to be oh, a yeah. student athlete. I was an athlete student. And so if somebody would have said, you're going to go back to school, I'd have been like, there's no chance. Um, but with the <laughs> NFL's programs, the, 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 the PA did a program, the NFL did a program. I took advantage of them. They were great. And I went back and I got two master's degrees, performance psychology, sport performance. Um, and I love it. I love that education that I got. I, I continually love learning. And so I try to take everything that I'm continually learning and work with my quarterbacks in that way. And I have a lot of guys that, I mean, literally right before you guys, I was on with the quarterback, a zoom meeting. He just won the starting job at a university. He's going to be going into his first collegiate start. I love that stuff. Um, and the way to get a hold of us, train3dqb.com. My partner's Adam Dato, Taylor Kelly, our coaching staff. I mean, we work tirelessly to be the very best that we can be. Um, we try to not get, you know, consumed with the competition of things. Like we feel very fortunate to have worked with the quarterbacks we've worked with. Some of them are hall of famers and they're retired. And it was an, a, like an amazing experience. We're currently working with some guys that are probably going to be hall of famers. And we have some, some college guys that are great. They're going to be great for the NFL. They've been working like crazy. And I'm so excited for the college season to kick off. And we got some young bucks that are high school guys that are the next wave of the NCAA's great quarterbacks. And so we, we just try to focus on us. Um, we all love what we do. Uh, we, we love getting opportunity to meet guys like, like you guys to say, how can we work together? How can we get better at what we do right. by listening to the things that you guys have and the information that you can have? Something that we pride ourselves on is we do not want to stay stagnant in the information that we have and the things that we're working on. We are always trying to look for ways to improve. Um, and that's why I love all the things that you guys have brought to the table in the quarterback game, because it's going to help quarterbacks. It's going to help coaches. I love our discussions. And, you know, that's why hopping on a podcast like this and talking about quarterbacks and the mental side, it's great. It's great for the game. It's great for quarterbacks and it's great for coaches. Well, we appreciate that, man. Before we, before we get to Harrison's uh, wrap up here, I, one thing that has not changed in the quarterback game since the beginning of time is looking for the next best quarterback. Who is John Beck really excited to see this year? It could be a high school kid, a college kid. We know all of your NFL studs. Who are you excited to watch outside of the Beck Pop Warner team? <laughs> Oh man, you took away my answer. You took away the, 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 the <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, that's so tough because look, in my heart of hearts, there's no way I can give just one. Like I am so excited to see how this NFL season plays out. Like there's so many guys, even guys that aren't starters. Like I, I'm excited to see Zach Wilson. I feel like I am watching games yes. that is reminding me of Zach. Like the dude that came out of college, the guy that, I mean, like, look, it was a challenging situation. And like, yes. I think it's going to be a great thing that Zach is going through all of this, what that holds in the future. If it's with the jets, if it's like, I don't know any of that, but he is going to grow so much. I've loved watching his game. Like Dak Prescott, like, man, I was just up at Cowboys camp. I'm so excited for him. You know, uh, there, there's so many things, these rookies that we got, like I'm excited to see Bryce. I'm excited to see CJ. I'm excited to see all those guys. I know some backup guys that like, Man, they have worked their tail off. I spent so much time with them this summer. And, like, if something happens to the starter, they're going to be so ready to go in there and play. The college side, our month of May, we had so many college guys out here putting in so much work. 
I can't wait for some of these guys. Uh, you know, it, there's no way in my heart of hearts, I have so much invested in so many of these guys. My car drives, <laughs> you guys would probably be surprised how many times in the car, if I'm not on the phone with somebody, I'm just driving in silence because my mind is going through all these quarterbacks that I've helped. I've seen their progress. I've seen how much they put in. I've seen their sacrifice. And I just think this would be so awesome if this can work for them. This would be so good if this can work for them. Like as much as I wanted my story to work out for myself, I feel the very same way for the guys I help. I want their stories to work out. and I want things to be great. Thanks, John. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at jbeck12 on Twitter. Okay, we're going to move into the lightning three random funny questions. Uh, some right, may be right. random. Some may not be funny at all. Up to you. Uh, what is the best throw you've ever seen made in person? Oh, my gosh. When I started training Justin Herbert, I had only met Justin on campus. I'd, I'd watched him in games at Oregon, of course. Um, I got to sit down with him on campus and talk with him. When he came to work with us and he started throwing the football around the field, I was just like, uh oh my gosh like he just i mean he's tall he's i mean he just he's the whole part and when he just lets that thing sizzle on like a deep end or like down the field we were just like counting like wait 10 20 30 40 like <laughs> my gosh you know and i've seen some pretty good throws some really good ones but like when you've seen so many you don't have those moments very often of like whoa you know um and I just think, like, I remember that that day, my partner Adam and I, we finished <laughs> up on the field. We said our goodbye. All right, see you, Justin. We'll see you tomorrow. And, like, as we walked up to the office, we were both just like, bro, like, that was that was legit. <laughs> yeah. It's Hercules throwing a football, right? Yeah. That's what it looked like. If you could go back and change one element of your professional career, what would you change? Um, Man, you know what? Uh, I probably would just... I, you know what I could do? Just take me who I am right now and go back, put my hand on that version of myself. I just be like, look, dude, I know how hard you're trying to do all of these things correctly. Like your effort is in the right direction, but here's some perspective. If you can hold on to this perspective, right? And I know that's everybody, right? We all, whether or not it's football, it's life, it's everything like relationships. You always wish you could take the perspective you have now and go back. But I just, I cared so much about wanting to win when my opportunities were there. Like I did not want to get up to bat and hit a single. I just didn't. I believed that I could get up to bat and hit a home run. And even though maybe the experiences leading up to that, there could have been easy to be like, well, you're not really prepared to probably play at that level. You only have X amount of starts. You only have X. I didn't want those things to be limiting thoughts. I, I like, I'm a very positive person. I'm a very much like, Give everything you can and go for it. And uh, I did that. But I wish I could just have let go of the outcome. I think there were times that, like, you got to be able to, on your drive home, take a step away a little bit. you got to be able to, when you walk in the door and you're eating your meal, not have your plays right there next to you because you feel like every waking second, if I can devote myself to my craft, every waking second, it will pay dividends. I like I tried to do that at times and I wish I could just, you know, go back and be like, Hey, look, you just got to let go of it, bro. Like the situation is a very tough situation and you may be trying to hit a home run, but like right now, this is not a home run situation. Remember why you play this game. Like you love playing quarterback because of the challenge, find the challenge, 
find a way that this can be a challenge and find that thing inside of you where you can just go ball. Because I look back, there's one game in particular where uh, I just didn't. I just didn't have it. Yeah, I, I was so, if this is John, I was like over here, <laughs> like just didn't have it. And in an effort to be my best, I wasn't. And I learned a lot from that and I'm grateful. That, that moment is probably what sent me on the path to why I was okay going back to school, why I have a library just full of books, why I've communicated with anybody and everybody that can have good information to help a quarterback. Even though it's not me, I'm all over it because I want all those guys that I help to just, if I can help them be prepared with perspective for their event, I think it gives them a better chance to succeed. Yeah, that's wise advice. Thanks for sharing, John. Yeah. Who is the most entertaining player? you've been around the most entertaining as in terms of as a player like making plays or are you talking about locker room like this dude oh, is hilarious lock, <laughs> this is a behind the scenes kind of question <laughs> the most entertaining guy i've ever i mean look one of my most favorite teammates this is gonna i mean troy smith in my time in the league troy smith was one of my most favorite teammates uh i just feel like Troy and I had such, like, we would laugh, we would compete, but, I mean, goofy stuff, like, I'm walking out to the field, it had snowed in Baltimore, whack, I get tagged by, like, a snowball, and it's like, this dude, you know, like, they were just, he had so many funny things, he could impersonate people really well, he knew the movie Nacho Libre, like, the back of his hand, and, like, <laughs> if you're gonna be, like, if you're one of my buddies and you know Nacho Libre, like, the back of your hand, go, where like this? Um, <laughs> So like, you know, and I have a lot of great college teammates. I have so many lifelong friends from my college days. But like, as we were talking about NFL stuff, that's what popped in my head. I have, I mean, some, some of my best friends for my life are my teammates, some of my offensive linemen from college. I just absolutely love those guys. And I've had a lot of laughs with them also. But in my head, I went back to all my like pro locker rooms. And uh, I mean, the, the other reason why I love Troy so much is because I felt like if he and I grew up in the same like neighborhood, he would have had his team that he would have been the quarterback of. I would have had my team that I'd been the quarterback <laughs> of. And we would have had these, like, competitions at the park all the time. And whichever team lost would have gone home pissed off asking for, like, another game. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, John. Uh, yeah. Little did you know that I am wearing my stretchy pants today. So. Oh, uh, here we go. You guys are not the Libre fans as well, then. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, John. Yeah, you're welcome. I was going to end with saying that's why I work so hard at quarterback because I want my quarterbacks just to have a little taste of the glory. See what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> that is the new ending to the podcast. John, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you on again soon, man. Enjoy uh, this off season for you, right? That's upcoming, but also uh, during season and uh, we'll likely see you soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for listening to the S2 Cognition Podcast. Getting to hear the importance of developing better on-field decision makers at the most important position in all of sports for one of the league's best private quarterback coaches was awesome. You can follow John on Twitter at jbeck12. He is John Beck, the Director of Combine Prep and NFL Development at 3D QB in Huntington Beach, California. We have linked his website in the description if you're interested in visiting and checking his stuff out. If you like the content we're putting out and posting, please subscribe with that plus sign at the top of your app, leave a review about the show, and share it with a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at S2Cognition and Instagram at S2.Cognition. 
If you'd like to get in touch with the show, please visit our website at s2cognition.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening and supporting the S2 Cognition podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Hunter, signing off for now. We'll talk to you on our next episode.